1: Norwalk Havoc Studios in Norwalk, Connecticut. This is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with Triton
2: captain Brad Hanstead. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Castbox, Player, FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support.
0: Time for this week's combat robotics news. I have five news items for you today. First up, catch live robot combat this Saturday in Missouri, Tennessee, California, and Washington State. I want to highlight two competitions in particular. In Seattle, Warhawk Captain Rob Farrow will be fighting ferry weights and ant weights out of a makerspace called Seattle Makers. And in California, a number of BattleBots builders will be fighting Fairyweights, Antweights, and Beetleweights at Maker Faire Orange County. Fan favorites Droopy and Unknown Avenger are both on the roster, as is Calvin Eba's newest creation, Sucker Punch, which will make its Norwalk Havoc debut later this month. Check out details on all four events at RobotCombatEvents.com. On over to the Discovery Channel and the season finale of BattleBots Champions as bots Tantrum, Endgame, Tombstone, Witch Doctor, Hypershock, Glitch, Ribot, and Scorpios face off in a sudden death tournament with the winner taking home the Golden Bolt. The episode will air Thursday at 8 p.m. local time on the Discovery Channel or very early Thursday morning on Discovery Plus. On over to the internet where a number of BattleBots teams are auctioning off battle damage parts on eBay this week. Those teams include The Big Dill. Blacksmith, Ghost Raptor, Ribot, Riptide, and Witch Doctor. The coolest item up for auction this week has to be the Battle Damaged Mid-Frame from Witch Doctor, anodized in bright purple and signed by the team. Speaking of uh, money, an update to a story we brought you last week. The team behind Bloodsport has now raised more than $2,000 in donations from 71 people, all of whom will get their names printed on the bottom of the bot. Proceeds from this uh, campaign will go to Engineers Without Borders, there's still time to donate, look for the link on the team's Facebook page. And finally, we got a couple of cryptic clues this week that suggest the teams behind Death Roll and Ominous could be returning to BattleBots after both teams independently posted photos of their team crates being moved by forklifts. This after BattleBots itself teased the possibility of filming happening in Las Vegas in mid-October. And that's it for this week's news. Now, before we get into this week's interview, I want to take a quick moment to reflect on episode four of BattleBots Champions. We saw a fantastic suplex from Overhaul, Perfect Phoenix take flight, and Whiplash make it all the way to the end yet again. In the end, it was Witch Doctor that advanced, surviving a driving clinic for Matt Vasquez. I would love to get your thoughts on this episode, our last qualifying episode before the the final uh, this week.
3: I thought this episode was fantastic. I think this whole series has been fantastic. Overall, I've enjoyed this better than the actual season. Um, This has just been so good. Also, and I think, uh, Luke, you mentioned this earlier, the first minute of the overhaul uh, versus Black Dragon fight gave me all of the life in the world. It was so cool to see overhaul uh, dominating so much of that fight. I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, great episode. Will Matt Vasquez ever have a chance against which doctor? I kind of doubt it, but, uh, it's always fun to see him drive.
1: I I would say, um, for champions, they, I think really kind of missed an opportunity. You know, there's, there's a lot more, uh, filler time now in this series because there's so many teams that are. You know, they're re-emerging through the tunnel, they're rebuilding the same bot, they're reintroducing the same characters over and over and over again. But champions, there's a little bit more leeway in the amount of time that they really could have in showing us what is happening in the pits. How do these bots work? How does this motor work? How did, you know, uh what's the difference between, you know, this person's drivetrain and this person's drivetrain? And they really kind of do miss the mark on that, and I think that something to consider for, like, let's say they they do another version of Champions next year, you know, this is is a great opportunity to kind of pull people a little bit deeper into the sport and not kind of, you know, gloss over uh, what makes this sport run.
2: I do feel like they kind of could have used champions to kind of stand alone or stand apart from battle bots and maybe change the format a little bit, do a little something different. Um, Instead, it's like, it's literally copy paste, which it's still fun. And I agree with you, Kyle. I think the fights have been fantastic. Um, But you know, when, when one bot makes it through four fights, they get introduced four times. And I love Farouk as much if not more than the next person but it just seems like introducing one bot four times in an hour and a half or however long the episodes are these days like it just i don't know i i think they could have maybe done something to make it feel a little bit more distinct from battle bots but instead it's it's kind of just the same um Af, but yeah, I don't know. I I know maybe that this is a, a good place to kind of talk about that, but I I do have some other thoughts on the episode itself. Um, but yeah, I just I don't know something. I I just wish that they had taken the opportunity to kind of do a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree. It's like um, it's like we were watching Bad about, about season six and a half. You know, it's like they could format season six like this. They could format season seven like this. I mean, we are essentially just watching a fresh season of BattleBots, and I think that the average mouth-breathing like, Ice Road trucker fan has no idea that Champions is any different from BattleBots um, because the format's the exact same. I totally agree. And, you know, I, I don't know. Like there- There's this weird balance that BattleBots has to always strike where it's like, do we go super deep for the super fans and really give them a really interesting inside look at these teams and the backstories and the bots and all of that. Or are we always building content for the person who just stumbles on this and they need to kind of figure out what's going on within five minutes, you know? Um, And I would love to see champions as a spinoff show, take more chances and try out different things versus just being a rehash, half-sized, pint-sized, regular season of, of the show um all that said <laughs> i am curious you know mini prediction time we don't know who wins the giant bolts so i would love to get your predictions here um you know we we, we won't uh like open up uh, i don't know like a formal prediction thread or whatever online i don't know maybe, maybe we will but um of the eight bots that remain tantrum endgame tombstone witch doctor hyper shock glitch ribot and scorpios kyle do you have a prediction of who is going to win the golden bolts
3: Oh man. Um I really want it to be HyperShock. I know they just won Remars like uh in I guess you could say like BattleBots continuity timeline, not in reality timeline, but you know, I would love to see HyperShock pull out the win. Um I think that would be absolutely amazing. But I, I like all these teams. I'm not going to be sad or disappointed, you know. <laughs>
0: it's fine either way. All right, we've got one prediction for Hypershock. Chris, Lindsay, your uh, prediction for who wins the Golden Bolt this week? I am. I'm going to throw my
1: Hail Mary pass here, and I'm going to go with Glitch. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I love it.
2: (laughs) it, I'm just like picturing Glitch fighting Hypershock. Where Hypershock is like at the height of its mobility and Glitch is still, you know, figuring out that, that side of things. But who knows? Glitch has made it this far.
3: I was listening to last week's uh, Robocast and uh, they had Zach and Diana on from Scorpios. And Diana, I believe, was the one who brought up that, uh, that Glitch is like a drunken kung fu master of robot fighting. Like they just stumble around the arena and somehow get these insanely giant hits, and it's just a glorious thing to watch. And I will never look at Glitch the same way now after hearing that description of
2: them. <laughs> <laughs> um, from my prediction, I am honestly torn. Um, part of my gut says hypershock because they just seem so undeniable right now. But I don't know. I mean, Tantrum just took home the giant nut and they have not lost a match. So I don't know. The numbers seem to be with them. I I'm going to say Tantrum.
0: All right. And for me, uh, I'm going to go with the very, uh, very safe bet. So I'm going to go with the safe prediction here of end game. I think that Endgame is looking great this season. Uh, they didn't take a ton of damage in the regular season. They have a ton of spares. I think that they are the best position to take home a golden bolt. And uh, yeah, I guess take them the first first golden bolts um, and bring it back to uh, to New Zealand. So uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say Endgame. All right, well, I guess we're gonna have to wait until Thursday to see, Um, but, but yeah, really, really stoked about watching the season finale. After the break, our interview with Triton Captain Brad Hanstead.
1: This week on the podcast, we have a very special returning guest, Triton Captain Brad Hanstead. Brad is a longtime BattleBots veteran, captaining a team in the 2016 season, and then returning to the competition to work on the pit crews for Kronos and Deep Six. For Season 7, he's applied to the competition with Triton, a brand new bot that's widely considered to be the successor to Deep Six, which has since retired to Davy Jones' locker. We're looking forward to learning as much as we can in the hour ahead and so welcome back to the show
4: brad hey thanks for having me i'm i'm really excited to be here
1: yeah it's uh, you know it's it's so interesting you know the 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 news and the, the rumors kind of bubbling up here about a successor to deep six and i'm so excited to kind of dive into that to break down the 2021 season and to talk a little bit about you know um your uh you know your come and through uh, the sport of combat robotics, but we have so many questions from the discord and some of them are just straight up weird. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think that that's probably the reason why they've put me in charge of driving this interview because I might be the weirdest one in the group. Um,
4: excellent. Excellent.
1: So uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, let's, let's just do a quick catch up from our 29, uh, 2019 interview. The last time we had you on the show was, uh, almost exactly three years ago to the day, uh, you were working on the pit crew for Kronos and had recently competed in China on King of Bots with John Mladenik and Megabyte. We didn't know it at the time, but we were also just a couple months away from a global pandemic. So maybe we can start there. Can you catch us up on the last three years of your life, joining Deep Six and running competitions again in Southern
0: California?
4: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um. Remembering back three years is difficult because everything moves really fast in Combat Robot World, I feel like. But uh, I mean, the majority of it was, um, you know, joining up with Deep Six. I was unable to be there with Kronos uh, the second time it appeared in BattleBots. And that was a big bummer, but that was COVID. And uh, I just was unable to make it at that time. Um, a lot of job changing, et cetera. Um, but then, you know, Dustin needed some extra teammates for Deep Six. And I was asked to come. and It is Deep Six is a different kind of world. It is a different kind of robot, and Dustin builds robots very differently than I am used to. And the big thing for me over the course of like it's about nineteen years, twenty years, whatever twenty is easy to say. But over the course of my time building robots, I have valued seeing other builders how they build robots, having you know new robots to work on, new challenges. I, I really don't like Falling into a specific design and just like you know min maxing that, I really prefer having these grander challenges and trying to get kind of new robots or you know fix major issues with previous robots. That's really where I I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Um, being a mechanical engineer, I, I enjoy these kind of challenges. Um, and so Deep 6 was just like I said another world having this massive vertical. I, my team's known for vertical discs, but I've been on so many now. I've been on Kronos, which is a which is a shell or a, a ring spinner. We we had Megabyte which is a shell spinner. I was actually with Captain Shredderator in season 3 for, you know, half the fights. And so that was another shell spinner I've worked on. Uh, our team ourselves we've built a shell spinner back in the day for Robo Games. Called Double Rainbow Party. So I've built all these like random shell spinners, even though our team's known for verticals. So it was nice to have the ultimate vertical spinner, Deep Six, and it was really fun to, um, you know, work on a team that just was balls to the wall weapon, you know. And and it's it's you're not necessarily expecting to win the whole thing, but you're expecting to just have some the most memorable moments possible. And that's what I really enjoy about that robot.
1: Yeah, it's that is that is an interesting divergence from your um uh your shellfish days. Uh, but I <laughs> it's just it's such an interesting contrast. It's it's everything about you know defense as offense to just going for and deep six. We, we all can agree it started as a glass cannon, but we've really watched the bot evolve and now drives better and functions better and is able to kind of stabilize and handle its own gyro forces. It's, it's really interesting watching the evolution of that bot over just a couple of seasons. Um, And do, did some of that come out of uh your expertise kind of joining the, the, the fray?
4: I mean, I certainly probably helped with certain things, but, I want to say that that robot was mainly designed by uh, Dustin and, you know, mainly built by him as well in Virginia and brought it out. And so I didn't have to have a lot of hands-on. Now, the next version we were talking about, maybe building two of them, one in Virginia, one in California that, you know, me and Andrew Russell would work on. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, that never really came to fruition simply because, as Dustin had mentioned in his previous uh, cast with you, uh deep six is too dangerous. It's it's too hazardous to the arena and uh you know they just they just don't want it. <laughs> it's just too it's too much to handle and, and that's fair. And you know you mentioned the, the upgrades to deep six and its improvements and honestly I feel like part of that is just because they said you can't have the big weapon anymore. The, the deep six rule to limit the weapon weight forced him to have to put weight into other areas, which greatly improved the robot. I'm not going to lie. Like he might have still tried to keep that 110 pound bar and uh, maybe not have been as functional. But, you know, he he plays into the limits because he wants to have just I mean, it, the team's team overboard. And that's exactly describing Dustin and his combat robots and his life being a Navy yeah. typer. I think the
1: first time that we ever interviewed Dustin, we we asked, "Hey, if you had another hundred pound, pound, another hundred pounds to throw into deep six, where would you put it?" He said, "Well, we'd have a two hundred and ten pound blade."
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because you know uh, the, when I grew up building robots, we build a lot of composite based robots, so Kevlar, carbon fiber, etc. And the intention of that was to have very lightweight frames, so you can have a larger weapon, but it still was kept within reason and it's just like seeing that mold broken, you know, it's just like, okay, just have a giant weapon and then build everything else around it. And it's, you know, most builders would say, uh, you know, like 30% of the weight, you know, the weight classes depends, you know, exactly how components work out. It's a little varied, but, you know, it's around like 30% is like a really good weapon. Uh, Dustin's not like that, you know, <laughs> he's willing to put half the weight into the weapon if he can get away with it.
1: So I want to get into some of the more recent news about Deep Six and the team. But first, let's just reflect on, um, you know, last season when you're joining Team Overboard. Can you give us some reflections of, of your, your time on the team? And, you know, are there any uh, any stories or anything that stands out that you'd want to share?
4: Well, I mean, I actually had one of the most relaxing BattleBots experiences. Um you know, we, we basically had a, a robot that was done and another robot that was mostly done. So essentially, you know, I kind of just, uh, I don't want to say whittled away, but I, I mean, I just basically worked slowly on the other robot, getting things together. And, um, you know, we had enough teammates to where one of our teammates was even helping other teams that, that needed a little more. And we were able to kind of just, just have a very relaxed, well-paced event um you know if we had if we had done a little better we maybe would have been a little more frantic and and had to you know get through more fights um but you know we overcame the obstacles that we saw you know Dustin had uh, those outriggers that got stuck in the kill saws and getting stuck on the arena wall you know those are right. things that right. he he originally anticipated and he had thicker arms than he did before so they wouldn't get stuck in the kill saws but i believe the kill saws were a little different than years previous because they've added you know some spark effects and some different things so you know they got stuck in there, so we had to make a quick modification. We had a little skis to them, you know, things like that. Um, those kind of quick thoughts of how to fix things. You know, uh, I know one thing I contributed was uh, like the Reaper blade or our big uh, bar. Um, the tooth got pretty damaged, so we had the Lincoln Electric guys uh, actually hard face up the tooth and kind of repolish it down, and basically that that gave it a little bit of a harder hit and uh, and kind of solved that problem. But Really, like you know, some of the frames got a little messed up, but um, it was just it was just easy to work with. Uh, metal robots are so much easier to work with than composite robots, so I kind of see it in a whole different light. But um, you know, it, I had a great experience. We were pitted next to Jackpot, so we we had a great time hanging out, watching TV, you know, watching the watching the fights on the TV, and and I don't know, it was just a, a overall just a fantastic experience for me, um, and one of the most relaxed.
1: It's a for those uh folks out there who have never been in the pits that's that's generally an atypical uh experience at BattleBots. most people uh have a tendency to um uh need to collapse in hallways and under staircases
4: yeah i mean it's it's a big robot it's got big parts and so you know it could be heavy lifting at times but honestly it's our our schedule was such that and the pace was such that it was it was very convenient you know um when we went into the to the the uh, Sin City Slugfest tournament. We had the two robots pretty much ready. So we just, you know, brought the other robot in when the other, the first one got damaged in a huge fight. You know, it was, it was a easy fix. And um, I don't know. I just I, It was one of the most relaxed experiences. And that was, I really enjoyed that. Now, I do not expect that at all for Triton, especially being a team captain that just adds undue amount of stress and having to do the interviews and all that, you know, taking that away and having the pressure off you is is very convenient. If you, you're not the one driving the robot, you you don't have to worry nearly as much. Dustin's under all that pressure when he's driving Deep Six, and it's such an important robot to drive very accurately. Right, um, right. It, it, it's you know, you you started seeing it towards the end when he started really getting into it in the, in the huge and shatter fights where you could see, and even Ribot, honestly, where you could see him like learning to really take control of that robot, which it's so hard to test that robot safely to even be able to gyro turn like that is not something that you can do outside of a battle box. So you know, even the test box, you can't do that. It, it's the robots too big. So, you know, Dustin's like actively learning as he's doing the fights. Um, and it's, you know, it's really remarkable what he was able to do with that. But, you know, now I'm going to have that stress with Triton with the exception that, well, as you'll learn with a Triton design, it's going to be a little easier to drive.
1: Well, Everything is uh, in hypothetical right now.
4: Uh,
1: the, there is there a bot that is assembled yet?
4: No, uh, we actually, um, we have parts arriving. So I have actively have some uh, machine parts coming in. We're kind of gathering up some things. Dustin is e- even dismantling some of the Deep Six uh, electronics and sending them over. So we don't have the physical bot built yet, which is obviously a stressor for getting ready for any kind of event. Um, you know, the, the sooner you can get a robot ready and test it out and start getting it driving, the better, because then you can fix all the issues and the potential problems. So, you know, we had a Deep Six, a new Deep Six designed, which Dustin, Dustin previously mentioned. And we were pretty confident about it because it's basically iterating on that design. We would be able to be pretty confident that we could make that happen. But this is a brand new robot. Triton's completely different, and we're not exactly sure how some of these, these components are going to work out. So that's always a worry. Um, so that's you know we're gearing up for trying to basically build a brand new robot from scratch. We need a lot of new parts, and you know we're um, we're still trying to get sponsors to cover everything. It's it's becoming a um, uh, a big task, but we're we're re- very confident that with the support we have, and you know Dustin has been lead on designing it, and um, I have been basically the lead on going to be building it, and we're building it here in Las Vegas, which is very close to. Uh, where BattleBots might be filmed, so therefore we're hoping that since the BattleBots arena is still there, we're building in Vegas, it won't be that hard to get it done in time because we can just literally drive it over.
1: And for those out there, this is a bit of a preface. Uh, a preface. You know, uh, we we had Dustin on the show a couple of weeks ago, and um, you know he disclosed that Deep Six itself had been rejected from the season seven of BattleBots because it was doing too much damage to the battle box first but before we get too far into triton i want to know brad what what's your what are your thoughts about deep six's early retirement and specifically because it did too much damage
4: well um my honest first take is that deep six is one of the best rope like that was some of the best fights i've seen in battle bots it's just like a edgier seat you know waiting to happen and the reliability made it such that it's not you know you have faith that it can do a little more. I thought it was one of the coolest robots, and it's not just because I, I'm, I'm biased and I was on the team. It was literally one of the coolest robots. And when you talk about a big weapon, like I assume fans love that robot, and I would love to see it come back. But you know, ultimately, if they say it's too dangerous, what can we really do? Um, you know, reducing the weight of the weapon down to a point is not going to really be the you know it's not going to be Deep Six anymore. So I would love to see it return in the future. I I love the robot as just you know overall you know and and I'm really bummed about it honestly. I was really excited to to come back with Deep Six and and see it um, perhaps function even better than before you know because it, it, it just it was improving enough to where I think it was going to be a, a pretty competitive robot honestly. Um, it's never necessarily my intention to win. I, I like testing things. I like seeing robots do what they're supposed to do. Um, I'm not expecting to win necessarily. That's that's never a, a end goal. It's nice when you win. You obviously want to win. Everyone tries to win. I'm not saying I'm not trying to win, but you don't necessarily. I, I don't get the same like requirement to win. You know, in me.
1: You know, it's. I I absolutely was obsessed with Deep Six. I feel like it is a total callback to you know the original. Like the nightmares of the sport, you know, to say like, yeah, sure, we're sacrificing a lot, but you should fear us because we can do untold amounts of damage to your bot if you make a single mistake. And, you know, it's like uh Deep Six is like the, um do you know Butterbean, the boxer? Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. So for those out there, Butterbean is, I don't know, he's like five foot five, uh probably weighs like four ten uh he's got like little tiny nubby arms and he's basically shaped like a thumb uh there is not a single heavyweight champion in the world that would go into a fight with butterbean and not at least have 10% uh hesitation because the 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 the, the man was like a freak of nature and for 60 seconds would go 100% gas and could knock out anyone and like <laughs> deep six kind of had some of that energy uh you know a little a little bit less uh butterbean and more mike tyson towards the last season <laughs> but you know it's just like this um this this bot where if you let your guard down and you give us a single opportunity we're going to cut you in half like we're we're not even going to maim you you're going to have to go back to the the pits and you're going to be pulling your hair out because you're going to be looking for parts of your bot like uh that have literally vaporized and so i just want to say like deep six was was incredible like that and now we're we're getting into this territory where um you know you have to kind of put a cap on on Butterbean right uh and you know tell me about how Triton is safer for the box tell me how Triton is safer for the you know the crowd the arena and your competitors
4: Well, ultimately, in my opinion, no robot's necessarily super safe. Um, We're not not ever trying to intentionally inflict damage to the arena. It's just uh, the nature of a vertical spinner tends to be that it wants to roll over on itself, and it means the weapon slams into the floor. But Triton is basically taking a similar approach in how ridiculous its weapon is, but the big deal is we're going horizontal.
1: So... From what I remember Dustin mentioning, Triton is gonna have a very similar reach that uh that Deep Six had, but like you just said, we're flipping the whole thing ninety degrees, and now you have what I'm assuming is the largest horizontal spinner in the sport.
4: I would hesitate. Well, yeah. I I will say that Triton is most likely the largest floor space robot. In the sport right now, mammoth is a very large robot floor space, I guess too, but just looking at the design and the bar size, we're basically taking a deep six bar, putting it horizontal, and I actually have a a, a render that uh it's basically showing what a jackpot and a banshee, which banshee i don't know if you know is a david small flipping robot that's that might be getting uh into battle bots here, but uh, it's it's jackpot and banshee next to triton, and triton is literally larger like, like, longer than both those robots together and just as wide. It's it's a freakishly large robot and it's a large reach. And um, you know, th- like to some extent, I don't know, you could go for a longer reach, but at some expense to basically weapon rigidity. Like, you're going to come to a point where the weapon can't sustain it and it just would be too weak and, you know, easily bent. So it's it's kind of at the maximum of what you're going to see in a horizontal.
1: I want to get a little bit more down into the physics of the bot, but first, let's let let's bring it back up to the high level. Tell me about your pit crew. Uh, tell me about some of these ideal matchups that you would have for this new incredible horizontal. Um, and, you know, how... Does it improve upon the, the 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 meta and what is its counter to the meta
4: sure, so I mean, I would first start with basically the deep six pick crew, and the problem was that the time frame that we might see this robot fight dustin daddy Dustin is having twins, so he's having kids more kids, <laughs> so he's not going to be able to build the robot or compete with it. Um, we have Andrew Russell who has, you know, basically family obligations, a large vacation that he's finally taking which he's well well deserved. So Andrew Russell is going to be incapable of making any kind of time frame. Um Andrew Bergraf, uh, which I apologize, I hit the name the I always mess up his last name, but Andrew Burgraff, uh he is getting married <laughs> at the end of this year. And um you know, Sorry, our our you know our team is basically incapable of physically being there. Um, and you know Chris who uh was who also on our team, he's actually helping on another team as well. So our team is basically non-existent from where it was at Deep Six. So all there is is me, and that means I had to basically create a new team. And so far we are we are not full. We we are still looking for maybe the one or two more to to kind of help us, but we have Vegas builders. Um. We have first of all Shay Johns from Jackpot, who will be handling obviously the glittering of the weapon, which is one of the most important aspects. But she's getting her hands really deep into the robot and getting to see um, a lot more of like hands-on with with building. Um, we have a you know someone that has helped Jackpot in the past, um, and then two members of a robot called Hot Pizza, which I don't know if you... Are you are you familiar with Hot Pizza?
1: I'm familiar with other um, pizza-themed uh, bots <laughs> that, uh, you know, some dominate other weight classes, but no, I'm not familiar with this bot.
4: Sure. So Steven and Alex are joining the team. These guys are very intelligent dudes that are just not... They have not been around combat robots very long. They've built all sorts of other crazy contraptions, but they are known on like on social media for working on the robot Hot Pizza, which is a heavyweight horizontal spinner. Um a little bit smaller of a of a reach than than what Triton is, but it's a large disc that has basically pizza slices for a weapon and the whole robot is shaped like a pizza box. It that's going to be a white pizza box with slices of pizza being you know flung around. It's it's great. But they are newer builders. And they're basically coming on board. They're very talented at building, but they maybe are less experienced. So they're going to be able to see how Triton functions, how it works, what works, what doesn't work, see other teams, how they build their robots. And I know that's going to help them when they when they work on their robot in the future as well. So I have this reasonable base of builders. I have enough hands that are local in Las Vegas. Um, and then I'm just looking for, you know, maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe it does happen. There might be another teammate or two, but I basically have enough of a team to have the robot be built and be ready to go and on site be capable of of you know maintaining. So, I'm very fortunate about that because a lot of my previous teammates are either on other teams, moved away. It, it was kind of a you know big change for Deep Six to lose a lot of its members due to, you know, other obligations. So, it's definitely you know, Not what I would have maybe preferred necessarily, but I think the end result is going to be way better than what I could have hoped for. And and the, the guys that I have helping me, um, it, it's just going to be, I think it's going to be a great year. And in terms of getting on to like the meta, who we should fight, who we shouldn't fight, it's a big horizontal. So you can kind of treat it sort of like a tombstone in some respects, right? It's basically a larger tombstone, a more glass cannon tombstone, if that's possible but essentially you know verticals are are what we eat you know big vertical disc type of robots we can adjust the height of our blade we can we can fight them how we want and um we're going to be able to outreach a lot of robots uh, there's I don't know if there's a robot that could really outreach us um simply because they all have a body in the way or something in the way there's nothing that has as large of a blade that we do as far extended away you know out the front that we do that we can't reach them first and i think you know, obviously some type of more wedge type of attachments, big plows, will be a big counter for us. And if they don't have a large vertical weapon or frame member that we can easily kind of hack into that would be above this big plane wedge, we're going to have problems with dealing with them simply because the battle box itself is significantly smaller with that shelf that has been added. And you saw like even like, you know, Megabyte getting kind of trapped in corners and stuff because, you know, a vertical kind of plants on the ground and, and delivers damage. Deep six of course, that's cartwheels because it's just ridiculous and bounces off the floor. But, you know, a horizontal flies apart. They kind of hockey puck apart, equal opposite reaction. So we're going to go flying, they're going to go flying, and they're going to have a lot of time to capitalize on getting to us. And if the arena is so small, then it might be very difficult to get back spun up. So the key that we're aiming for with the weapon system is not to be super high miles per hour tip speed. Like we're, we're not going for that maximum at all. We're going for as much you know, uh, spin up reliability and quick, you know, the quickness to to spin up, getting that torque, getting that ability to get spun up as quickly as humanly possible. That is what we're focused on in, in the kind of the gearing and the reduction that we have to get the blade up because the arena is too small. It's a big robot. It can easily get kind of wedged into a corner and get stopped pretty easily. And honestly, because it's such a large weapon, just like with deep six, we have a very fragile booty. And if somebody hits into that, they're going to wreck all our batteries. So it's one of those kind of, it is definitely glass canny, but it has a very large hit radius. And um, it'll just be about a robot that can, you know, something like duck where it can hold out and and get us into a corner or um, some kind of vertical that has enough of a plow to to stop us, get us into a corner and then start hitting us from behind or something.
1: So you're saying one of the things that you've mentioned that, you're focused on, um, having a reliable spin-up speed, uh, you know, a fast spin-up speed, uh, for instance, Tombstone, I believe uses a, a, a chain drive. Are you going with a chain belts? Is it, is it a similar configuration to deep six?
4: Well, so we're using a lot of the technology that was in deep six, such that we're using castle systems primarily. And the thing about castle systems is that they're very easy. Um, We have the 2028 Castle motors. Uh, We're using the little bit higher KV, the 1,100 KV motors. There's three motors total for the weapon system. And they are geared to a very custom geared system. So it's going to be pretty loud and clanky, I think, which might be kind of cool. But um, it goes to a geared system, which then goes to actually a V-belt system. So there's two V-belts going out. See, in Tombstone, you have a large uh, DC motor, like like an E-Tech, essentially. and he has a clutch system for that. Our clutch system is basically going to be belt slippage. So right. it's a lot lighter to have belts as well. And with how far extended the the bar is weight wise, it just made sense to, to do V belts. Um, obviously, that could change if, if things aren't going right in our way in testing. We might have to change over to something um, like a chain system. But we're pretty confident in the V belts working out. Um, and you know, getting that tension right is important, but we have, you know, we, we've designed it such that we can tension that V belt to how we want. And the thing about the Castle system is just, it's just so simple because a lot of other people that use brushless motors are using Besk, and they require pretty accurate tuning to the specific motor you're using, the specific use case. Like, you know, it, it's it can be a bit of a, a quagmire of getting the settings just right, whereas Castle just kind of works. It has some very simple settings and um just like in deep 6 that's what we used it's it's you know it has limitations it can only do 8s so it, it can't do as high voltage as some of the other systems and brushless motors do like higher voltage so we could have a more performance driven robot if we had maybe a different system but this gives us no headaches of having to deal with any of that and um continues on with like i said a lot of the same kind of parts that we had in deep 6 which reduces the cost as well um and, you know, like robots like Shatter have used these kind of systems. I, I know Dustin talked about that previously in, in following kind of Adam Wrigley's um, experience with that these systems in, in Shatter. And in Deep Six, they worked pretty flawlessly. So we're just going to keep applying them and see how they work in this kind of robot and seeing how they perform.
1: All right, let's, uh, let's check out some of these questions that we have from Discord, or uh, we'll be here all night. Um, <laughs> I'll I'll open up with Hot Poke Builder Ethan Shipley, who has a cryptic question:
4: How much dedicated WHAM does the bot have? Oh wow! Well, um, you know our servers are pretty full, um, but <laughs> you know, I I don't know. We 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 have enough adequate WHAM is what you're saying adequate WHAM
1: adequate WHAM would actually be a really great name for a bot. <laughs>
4: I mean, right. it's in terms of wham. Yeah. It's going to have some power. That's for sure.
1: I have a question here for or a series of questions from mammoth team builder, Brandon Bennett young, uh, who's running a ton of, uh, a number of bots at the, you know, Norwalk havoc, uh, events. Um, Brandon opens up by saying, Hey Brad, glad to see you're at the helm. You've been doing tons of robot things throughout the years. Uh, please share an old memory
4: An old memory. Well, I guess, um, You did kind of ask me previously about, um, you know, what I've been doing the past so many years. And I guess I should mention this because this is a very important part of my life is I kind of transitioned out of building a lot of, I used to build tons of small robots and that was, you know, I competed and I kind of transitioned into hosting events and and mainly on-site running events. So I would live stream them, uh, commentate on them, run the brackets, you know, pull people up to come fight. And, you know, it's kind of a one-man band in in some regards to to help running event, although you know, someone like. Trent um, with MagLab and and with Mad Catter, uh, Trent has is been phenomenal of helping run these events. But for the last so many years, we've been we've been ramping up, and now we're at the point where we're doing monthly events in Southern California. Um, and I'm really proud of that, and I'm proud that we we were able as a community in Southern California to have these kind of monthly events where we kind of have these you know interesting classes. We're doing like sportsman beetles, which no one's ever really done. Um, just kind of like odd things that we're, we're trying to come up with and then kind of cycle through so that people kind of focus on one weight class at a time and not be too too bogged down and have lighter events so they're, they're a little quicker while still having like maybe two a year, big time events. Uh, one we had held at Matter MatterHackers, um, which is a big event, awesome. And it's been through a lot of work of a lot of people, including Martin Mason, Trent, uh, Andrew Russell, myself, uh, Andrew Hedge. A lot of these people that have put together a lot of effort to kind of create a more consistent robot event. And I think that, you know, while I don't have one memory specifically in my head, the memories of working together with with these these members and, and creating a consistent monthly event where we used to have way back in the day, like in 2005, we, we, we did monthly events and it was so much fun and, and you really got a lot of iteration on robots and, and getting to test them out. And so now that Southern California is doing that, that's fantastic. And we're now even breaching out and we're we're, we're having a, a more unified discord by bringing in Arizona, trying to work with like more of the Seattle builders and working with kind of the Las Vegas group, like the VCR, and getting all of these kind of West Coast uh, people kind of working together to have basically better events and and better communication because a lot of communication has kind of been split over the years.
1: Brendan also wanted to know, you know, what were your... Uh, thoughts about the RFL trying to centralize combat robots versus the recent case where most events are decentralized outside of the newly announced Rombat Combat Championship, Uh, where the merits to having it being Nationalized League, or is it fine to let events do mostly their own thing?
4: well i guess I guess I kind of talked about that a little bit just in that answer but you know we're working to kind of have better communication but we're not necessarily wanting to have unification ultimately because like there's things that like v c r the vegas uh combat robotics guys do where they have like a chip system and and you have a set amount of chips and you bet other robots to to fight them you fight as many times or as few times as you want whoever has the most chips at the end of the night that's like the winner and That's like a totally different system than a bracket because that allows you to pick your opponent, decide if you want to fight them or not fight them. Maybe you want to only fight a few times, do a big bet, you know, whatever. That system just completely changes the results of what a normal bracket would look like. A lot of times a bracket, while randomized, you you end up kind of, that sets how well you can do with your design. Most robots are not designed modular enough to that, you know, you kind of have what robots you're good against, what robots you're bad against, and you could have a strength of schedule that's very easy and allows you to advance and maybe win a lot easier than another event with the exact same robots where you get a different bracket that makes it a lot harder. You get all the, the top components or top opponents, uh, you know, right in a row. So, you know, brackets are sometimes... Um, only a small sample, you know, it's, and it's hard to to fight robots enough to have like a established point system so you know who's you know going to win kind of a thing. So, um, you know, when you look at the RFL, I think the RFL did certain things right, and for a while there, they were kind of they created one of the best rule systems that I think a lot of even like Spark rules and maybe even Norwalk, uh, you know, there, there's some elements there that are still carried on and thought about, um, you know. But the RFL ultimately, I feel like you can't control everyone. You can't have a complete unified system because that kind of eliminates possible innovation. And Norwalk's doing very interesting things with their rule set. You know, Vegas is doing interesting things. Even Southern California is starting to do weight classes that don't even exist.
1: Brandon also had another question about uh, Triton. And what's the general theme you guys are looking to get into? Costume ideas, artwork, or are you going to keep it more low-key?
4: Well, so you know, I I know there's another question that I happened to see that was along the lines of like Chronos to Deep Six, and the you know Chronos was obviously very themed, loved it. It was an awesome thing, big trench coat, you know, cyberpunk kind of a theme. I absolutely love it. Deep Six was like, hey, we're in a shirt, we got a hat, we got jeans, and <laughs> that's very comfortable, yeah. mind you. That's very comfortable, but um. I do like having a strong theme to help, like, the crowd identify you as, you know, some kind of attachment to the robot and and have, you know, some kind of liveliness there. So I think we're going to be a little bit more themed. I don't think we're going to go crazy with it, uh, you know, as we have not enough time to build the robot and come up with crazy costumes. You could um, merge the two and just do denim trench coats. (laughs) Oh, no, no, I cannot do that. That's too close to having jorts. And that's a whole other topic that I don't want to get into with some of my other builder friends. I'm not a big jorts guy. So <laughs> um, <laughs> well, try try, well, and, um, try to have a theme, but it.
1: Brad, I knew jorts might just be shorts.
4: I mean, yeah, that's true. Really, they're 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 pretty much short shorts. You're you know?
1: very you're a very tall guy.
4: Yeah, I'm about six seven. So it's yeah, yeah. Jorts are <laughs> clothes are already enough of a of an issue for me. I don't want to have to deal with things that are already too small.
1: You heard it here, folks. Uh denim, trench coats, and jorts. Uh it's gonna be wild. I'm really looking oh, forward to no. it. All right, Brandon no. uh also <laughs> want to know, does Triton look to be another heavy hitter or are you thinking doing a different strategy as far as your approach to the machine?
4: Triton is gonna be a definite heavy hitter. You know, it's it's gonna hit hard. That's what we want it to do. That's its design. Big weapon, the rest of it is auxiliary. You know, we have to make the robot function, but I want to say a lot of inspiration from Triton. If you've seen Norwalk Havoc, if you haven't, you're crazy. But if you've seen Norwalk Havoc and you've seen Depth Charge, I'm going to say there's a lot of coincidence with with Dustin uh, building Depth Charge and testing it out and basically bringing that design. You know, sans bristles, no bristles in this one. It does have four total wheels, which is going to be, you know, when the design finally gets released, that'll be interesting. But there's four total wheels. It's it's going to be a driving robot, but um, it is it is very much a a depth charge, all or nothing, big weapon. We're going for big hits.
1: Yeah, it's and you know what's hilarious too is like, oh hey, we have to retire Deep Six because of damage the arena. Oh, let's let this
4: let's let this new version. Of Deep no 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 no! Don't don't tell anyone about that. Let's not mention that. Oh my goodness! It's not intentional. <laughs> Good historical question here
1: from Ryder Liangle who uh, wants to know there was a middleweight named Triton that competed in BattleBots 2009 the uh, the uh, the college championship is this uh, bot related to that or is it just a coincidence in naming
4: Uh complete coincidence um it was kind of a name pulled from you know it we had a couple of other names for it in the background as we were working on it and you know cuz we wanted to keep the deep six Team Overboard Navy kind of background theming to it. Triton obviously has some pulls to, you know, like, a the King of the, of, you know, King of the Sea kind of thing. There's also a, a particular Navy plane, you know, there's a few, there's a few tie-ins, but that wasn't necessarily thought of as directly related to it. It was just, Dustin kind of put it, it's a cool name. I like it. We're going with it. I'm like, hell yeah.
1: Huge team member, fellow Norwalk Havoc judge, and, uh, Proprietor of Donut Restaurant Don Dorfler
4: asks, Brad, why do you have my bot? Okay, so first of all, I do not. I no longer have Don's bot. Don has Don's bot, but not the Don that is Don asking me about Don's bot. It's the Don that is actually Andrew Rossell, who was previously named Don once before on Norwalk. Therefore, Don has Don's bot. I just drove Don's bot for Don, which isn't Don, which is actually Andrew Rossell, simply because he couldn't be out to every event. So I drove Don's Bot and I won a couple, well, I didn't win. I got like second place in Colorado. I got an okay place somewhere else. Yeah, I drove it a bit. Don's Bot's with Don now, which is not Don, which is actually Andrew Russell. So Don doesn't actually have Don's Bot, but Don does have Don's Bot.
1: So just to simplify that for our listeners, would you say that it's the dawn of Don's Bot returning to Don, but not Don. Don's the old Don that was renamed Don for Norwalk Havoc. Don. Don. <laughs> All right, we got some uh, follow-up questions about Don's bot from Deep Six team member and fellow Norwalk HAVOC judge Andrew Russell. Why is Don's bot so good? Ooh, only Don knows that.
4: <laughs>
1: Outside of heavyweights, what is your favorite weight class to compete in?
4: Okay, so historically, and um, you know, in, in my childhood growing up, building robots. Ant weights, one pound combat robots were my absolute favorite and still kind of are. And the main reason why I think that is because for the weight that you have and components that are kind of available and and possible, the one pound class doesn't allow you to necessarily build too much of a brick. Like you can have a pretty armored robot, but like beetles and three pounders can be like a really a billet, like just a straight billet. And it, it makes it very difficult or have a ridiculous weapon. Whereas a one pounder, you're, you're, you're challenged just enough in weight, but not like fairyweight 150 gram robots, just wiring those things I hate. But a one pound robot is just about the right weight balance for me that you can kind of have newcomers come in and, and be at some kind of reasonable, equal level playing field. And I've seen like 90 year old grandpas fighting against eight year old girls, and they're both equally matched. And I really like ant weights, you can build them in a day. You can bash them around. They're, they're pretty affordable to get into. weights for me are kind of like the crux of combat robots, like getting into it. That's awesome. And heavyweights are hard because you need multiple people. They They kind of give you the most enjoyment, but they're kind of bang for your buck, not great. So, you know, I also really love 12-pounders, 15-pounders, 30-pounders, because those all you can build yourself and lift yourself. But I think ultimately one pound is kind of like overall, over the course of my years doing this, one of my favorites.
1: Andrew went on to ask, uh, as an event organizer, what are some of the biggest issues that people holding their first ever event may overlook in terms of preparation? Is there any uh, tips or tricks that you might have for someone who's uh, kind of starting their own event?
4: Well, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. And that could be a whole episode, honestly, of running events and what you need to kind of get started. Just just like simple things, like making sure you have power, you know, enough power to power for a charging station. You know, having a separate charging station is really nice to keep things safer. Um, Making sure you have power though, so people can use tools, etc. Soldering, whatever. Um, Making sure that like where the pit tables are versus the arena versus where the crowd's going to spectate. The things are kind of roped off for safety and for not getting in builders' ways, but at the same time, managing traffic so that you know the builders can get to the arena, have a driving spot that's you know uninhibited not blocked off by somebody um, you know the arena is safe enough obviously to contain the robots that you're fighting whatever weight class also managing like a good height so like little kids can see it but making sure that kids aren't too close because a lot of times polycarbonate walls and arenas are designed to flex and give and that's part of the reason you never know, hard mount polycarbonate walls you let them be able to float a little bit so they can pop out and flex, and that could push into a kid's face. You know, don't let kids put their faces on the arena. Things like that. Lighting is important. If you start streaming, you know, requirements of having internet connection there. Um, making sure you have a kind of a bracket system figured out. You know, challenge is very handy because you can give it to people and they can look on their phones. Because uh, I'm telling you, even though we use challenge, even if you make a simple URL, people are going to ask you constantly, "When am I fighting next?" And having additional people to guard you from that is really helpful um if you can get extra help to have a pit runner so they you, 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 sometimes it's it's so nice to have a one person that just pulls fights for you they, they go they yell at the, the guys to come up and bring their robots you know they, they know it's ideal if they kind of know who people are so they can go up to them and say like hey are you ready to fight pull them up because if you're a one-man band like me and you sit at a computer live streaming watching the fights partly judging partly running the brackets it's really hard to then pull everyone up so You know, having friends to help is obviously very important. There's a lot that goes into running an event. um, But it's always the little things that you forget, like a PA system, uh, making sure you have power extension cords. You know, do you have tables, chairs? Do you have, is there going to be, you know, covering for sun? What's the weather going to be like? Um, Lighting in the arena so people can see, depending on the time of day you're fighting. Even even when it's in the middle of the day and you have a lot of glare, you know, sometimes lights help in the arena. Things like that. It's just, don't plan on doing anything other than you know, running the event is is definitely something I would say. All right. That's
1: a lot to absorb considering I'm running my very first event tomorrow. Um, oh, wow. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I was about to say, like, wait a minute. Yeah. What event is this? Uh, okay. Uh, so you just really kind of dove into what are some of the things that you need to, like, lead an event uh, to, to bring people together as an event organizer. But Andrew's last question here is kind of like the other side of the coin. Having been part of Bad Kitty, Kronos, Megabyte, Deep Six, and Think Tank uh, in the past, what are some of the lessons about leading a team's dynamics and delegating that average BattleBots fans may not know or miss?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think BattleBots in general brings in very different people. Um I think we're all a little bit crazy, to be honest. I I don't think any of us are what anyone would call normal, because you're just putting a lot of money at something that's kind of silly at at the end of the day. But it's kind of a passion, and you know, each person's different. There's so many different people. Battlebots, like I said, when I I was making the reference of like the 90 year old grandpa fighting the eight year old girl, it's it's a you know you can have an equivalent experience depending on if you're an artist, if you're a mechanical engineer, a software engineer uh not any kind of engineer, a dad, a grandpa, a little kid. It doesn't matter. Anyone can build a robot and fight a robot. Obviously when it gets the bigger robots, it gets more expensive. And even the time to just like go to the competition, you know, taking weeks off of work can be hard. But it's it's so all encompassing that you have all these different people. And my big thing that I've always done when I was on Team Think Tank, I was never a team captain. I maybe drove the robot, I maybe was quote unquote team captain, but really all I was is was a person in between. So we had team members that were, you know, very high class engineers that knew how to design stuff, but maybe didn't know how to communicate certain things. We had guys that knew who had to just like be a mechanic and build things and really wrench on a robot, but they can't necessarily communicate things to to the engineers. So I've always been an in between where I can kind of understand where someone's coming from in regards to their expertise and obviously leveraging individuals expertise and in what you think they're going to be the most capable at and going to be more efficient for the robot overall is important. So efficiency is is big for me. Um but really because you have all these different types of people, they're all different, you know, and so you have to kind of figure out how to make everyone kind of get along and work together because your ultimate goal is, you know, making the robot do what it it's supposed to do. And I, you know, it, it's it's a fun challenge, but at the same time I I know that it's very very important to make sure that you can be cohesive as a team so that you can work towards that that one goal.
1: It's um it's totally true. I think having strong team diversity and skill sets and backgrounds is one of the most important dynamics of a team. Um and that's like I, so I, I'd imagine that there's like teams that might come out of like a university program where you have, uh, you know, five engineers that are in the same program working on the same bot with similar backgrounds and how um, the, the 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 resources at your disposal might not be as deep as a team that like had someone who knew how to fix a car growing up and someone who is a, uh, you know, a, um, uh, is, is a specialist in, in hobbyists, RC and, 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 and electronics. And then, you know, someone who is just a really great fabricator. Uh, it's, it's important, I think, to have that, that team diversity. And I I think that is a a really good point.
4: I mean, absolutely. Because you, you look at it and, but essentially you have all these different people and and combat robots, aren't something that you just buy off a shelf. So there's going to be unique problems, And and challenges, and when you have diversity of of people that have you know in their life, career, what have you, experienced like different things, they'll come up with like the tool that does what you need it, what you need to fix the robot. And you know a lot of that is just experience. Combat robots takes a lot of experience in general, but having people that are diverse is really good because you're just solving problems that aren't really existent in any anywhere else.
1: Yeah. And it's like also it gives you the um, uh, the assurance as a as a team captain to know like my team has it because they they basically cast such a big net of, of skill set. Right. Right. Uh, and yeah. that's definitely where you want to be in your headspace going back into the pits with a bot that might be uh, in a suboptimal con- condition.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that's it's really crucial to have, like you said, that diversity.
1: Harvester builder Ryan Hunter has a three-part question. What does joining us live at Norwalk later this month entail? Are you fighting, live judging, joining the commentary team?
4: Well, you know, honestly, I don't have an answer for that right now. I was originally set to be judging, um, but I am actually coming out. uh, So I'll be there in September. And I am excited to see what they have me do. I'm not exactly sure. I am up for anything. I'm willing to do anything, say anything, be anything. But um, I'm just super excited because I've actually never been to Norwalk Havoc. And uh, so, yeah, I'm just I'm super pumped for that. Um, And I can't wait to see uh, what unfolds.
1: I'm pretty sure that you're going to be my stunt double.
4: (laughs) Well, I've already done that. And that was through a camera. So (laughs) Uh,
1: as a judge, what was the most memorable fight?
4: As a judge. Ooh. As a judge, that's that's a really tough question because I have probably sat in front of numerous fights, and I mean, you know, you know, a lot of times I'm not necessarily judging uh, because when you when you do uh, commentary, which is what my preferred thing to do is, you kind of have to be a little biased in certain ways of how you're discussing things actively to an audience. So I try not to be an actual judge simply because that I feel like that kind of ruins part of being a judge is you can't really do both. I've had to advise and help sometimes with decisions just because of smaller competition. Sometimes you don't have judges. Judges are actually a thing that is overlooked. So if you're running an event, make sure you have judges set up ahead of time. That's always overlooked. But um, so when it comes to that, I guess, I mean, the most the, the best fight I've ever seen in recent memory that comes to mind was obviously Depth Charge versus all of those beetles at Norwalk. That was something that was I was not technically required to judge that, but that was amazing. And stuff like that is what really excites me because, like under like the relation to, to humans, like to other or sorry not humans but to other people that are outside of combat robots is so important because a lot of times people get carried away of thinking about these two robots fighting each other, but people that don't know anything about robots, you know Depth Charge versus those beetles. Showed like the scale that you, that we have in combat robots, and I, I think that's something that right. is missed a lot of times. Because if you film things certain, you know, certain ways, a beetle can look like an ant. Weight can look like almost like a 250 pound robot. And, and so, you know, it's hard to understand those scales sometimes. Even when you see a human next to it, when you when you see like the the 45 pound depth charge, you know, wrecking through little three pound beetles that can't even like chisel away at its UHMW armor. It's like wow, that's you know you get some sense of scale and significance there. And I think things like that, those types of more, um, you know, extra fights are, are really cool to me.
1: All right. I have a few questions here, uh, from, uh, Crota uh, who writes, uh, Crota uh, is a sub family of venomous snakes known as pit vipers They include cottonmouths, copperheads, rattlesnakes, and several other species of North, Central, and South American species of snakes. The presence of heat-sensing organs, called pits, are a unique characteristic to these species. And for my question to Brad, how long have you been into combat robotics, and what got you started in it?
4: It was certainly not a snake. Uh... (laughs) Why do people do this to me, Brad? (laughs) Well, okay, so... Let's think here. Um, uh, you know, in, the, in my previous uh, behind the bots that I did, I kind of described my my you know where I started from. I watched it on Comedy Central, got into RC cars, went to RC car event, saw robots for the first time. I built a robot the first time, got third place out of like 30 of the top one pound robots at the time. And then I kind of joined a team and started building bigger robots of all different sizes. Our team was known, Team Think Tank was known for having first team to have a robot in every single weight class. And I've built from 150 gram robots up to 250 pound robots, and I've I think I've driven and built every robot there, and I've won with most of them, you know, at least like second place or something like that. So I've had a successful career, and I've had a lot of experience. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with snakes personally. Uh, I'm not huge on venom, but um, you know I don't mind snakes. I like snakes. More of a Spider-Man, more of a Spider-Man guy. No, i have definitely more snakes than spider um spiders are a little creepier there, there, there's certain spiders that I just would not want to deal with where snakes like it's big enough to where I'm not as threatened like yeah you could, you know pull up a, a rattlesnake or something out of nowhere and it bites you but at least I see the thing you know like little black widow you maybe don't see it and it kills you you know right and uh, sp- sp- like... spiders can be small and scary uh, snake is big and like almost all snakes are big enough to like see it and hold it in your hand kind of a thing
1: I, I'm i pretty sure that I would rather throw down with a 400-pound silverback gorilla than to um, potentially have a spider crawl inside of my mouth and lay its eggs. Because I think that's what they do.
4: Yeah, I mean, the gorilla's just straight-up going to be destroying you, so I guess you have a chance of stopping the spider, maybe? But, yeah, no, I am definitely... Um, I have this rule in life, which is just completely inappropriate for me to talk about here, but essentially it's... Well, not in- inappropriate, but... It's weird, but I'm going to talk about it anyways because that question is really weird. Is that I have like a weird thought in my head that if things are smaller than my fist, I really don't enjoy them. Um, like, I'm not big into eating shrimp or, or small little crustacean y things. Um, I'm not big on having spiders or flies around me. You know, just like if things are smaller than my fist, it's, it's kind of like a, a, you know, preferred not to zone. And, um, you know, maybe that's because I'm 6'7, I'm a big guy. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's that's my rule in life. It's small in my fist, don't want to deal with it.
1: It's like uh, large mammals being terrified of mice.
4: Yeah, exactly. I just, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, what is this tiny little thing? Get it away from me.
1: So uh, you're against shrimp and prawns, but what about a lobster tail? Is that any good?
4: So, okay. So my family, uh, we have a, a member that's allergic to shellfish. So I grew up not eating a lot of seafood. I will eat lobster. I will eat shrimp. I will eat fish. But I grew up not eating it. So it's a very different thing for me to experience these days. Um, it's like uh, but you know it's like
1: Luke who has a uh, a mild shellfish allergy and he's lactose intolerant, but will that stop him from eating lobster mac and cheese? Absolutely not.
4: <laughs> exactly. I'm always willing to try things at least once, you know, even even like weird things that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think that would be appetizing. I'll try it once, but I I'm probably not going to like it.
1: Jackpot team member, Send cut, Send employee and cookie builder Shea Waffles Johns wants to know. Now, this is a big one. In your 20 years of building, competing, event organizing, judging, uh, commentating, everything else, what is your one favorite part of combat robotics? And what do you think is an underrated facet of the
4: sport? So for me, the number one thing for me in combat robotics that I have gained over my life is community. Um, I have you know, I have a great friend group that all build robots. And it was one of those things that I think I was kind of missing in life. Um, and I have a lot of other hobbies and I did a lot of other things in life, but I didn't really latch on to a really great friend group. And so having friends that build robots and can relate to and understand like the weird things that we do and, you know, enjoy the silly like robots that we build and like understand why it's so ridiculous to, to build a deep six, you know, or, or have Triton, I think. I think the community is definitely the number one thing for me, um, you know, making friends over the years. And, you know, even Shay, uh, she's she's now a good friend of mine, and we're actually building Triton in her apartment in Las Vegas. So she can enjoy having a giant robot take up her entire space. Um, but for me, the, you know, like, I, I guess the other part was a, a facet that most people, What what was the last part? The last part was, what do you think
1: is an underrated facet of the sport?
4: I guess the underrated facet for me is, is definitely the educational side of things. Um, the fact that, you know, you get a lot of this industrial engineering background, metallurgy, and and kind of engineering challenges that aren't really available anywhere else. Um, it really challenges you to think on the spot and come up with solutions. But then you still have the community that's that's very important to me. And you know, since it's such an equalizer to me of having all these different types of people and different backgrounds, different ages, um, you know, I've really, for me, combat robotics has been a major part of my life. And um, you know, I thank my parents for allowing me to get into it. And um, you know, my father was big in education, so I, I kind of follow that up while while trying to create educational robot kits and, and you know, talk at schools and be able to out give some outreach. Um, really the builders are pretty amazing people and there's all different types of people but robot people i feel like i have a certain level of trust in like even if they have different political views or or you know like i said different backgrounds i i feel like i can talk to any kind of combat robot builder and have kind of an equal ground to to communicate as a human
1: yeah absolutely um and now shay wants to know like the other side of the coin what do you expect to change about the sport in the future?
4: Well, so I feel like a lot of this kind of comes back to uh, kind of like the RFL questions and stuff too. But the first thing I say is like, I, I was one of the first guys to kind of bring back live streaming, uh, like on Twitch. I was like the first guy to kind of live stream on Twitch. And I really wanted to push more events to live stream and bring it so that, you know, more audiences can see it around the world. You know, back in the day, we had a live stream from the old Bot Bash with the, the, you know, Chuck Pitzer of. Ghost Raptor and, and his brother Bob, they they kind of did bot bash where they had live streaming, and I wanted to bring back live streaming. Um, but as we kind of go into the future and we're building up events in Southern California, like I mentioned, and you know bringing trying to bring together kind of more of the West Coast together, and the East Coast is is a little bit separated too. And I'd I love to try and unify the sport more, uh, you know, integrate it to work together. Um, but not necessarily in the same approach as the RFL, where the RFL was more about kind of rules, regulations. And I think, you know, safety is very important and all that. And having a rule set is is good to be able to compete at other events. But at the same time, I don't want to lose innovation of weird, wacky tournaments like Vegas or anywhere else, or even like Norwalk, what they do. So I would love to try to, you know, just just get more awareness in a more singular location. Because a lot of times right now, Every event has a different stream. If they have a stream, some they don't stream. They're not as accessible. They're very separated. And that that makes it hard to to get people from around the world to kind of get ingested into it and be able to see it. And so I would love to unify the sport more. And I would love to move towards that. But it's obviously, you're dealing with a lot of different types of people. So you have to kind of come up with ways in which that works out.
1: All right, we're going to segue over to fan questions from Facebook. And uh, they start out serious and then quickly devolve into delightfully weird. Um, we're going to kick things off with uh, some questions from BattleBot superfan Alexander Archer. Uh, and since we have so many questions here from Facebook, feel free to, uh, we could do rapid fire, however you want to do it. If it's a great question, we can drill down into it. Okay. Uh, but Alex's first question is what type of primary weapon does Triton have?
4: A absolutely massive unit horizontal. What kind of armor does the bot have? What's armor? (laughs) That's a great answer.
1: (laughs) Can it drive, uh, or can it self-right or drive upside down?
4: So as I mentioned uh, in a bit of a teaser, there are four wheels, and it is able to drive uh, upside down. Are the wheels protected? Define protected. Great answer. What configurations will the bot have? Big weapon. No. Um, <laughs> there is some minor adjustments to the height of which we can strike, but otherwise it is primarily big weapon.
1: When will you reveal the CAD, or better yet, the actual bot itself to the BattleBots community?
4: So we will be revealing it. Um you know this is basically behind the bots is kind of the exclusive story here, and we will be changing over our social media as this gets released to include Triton and to talk about Triton we're going to be having um kind of an exclusive shirt that is unrevealed it's going to be a mystery shirt just check out the promo on our Facebook channel but uh you know it's going to be cool and we will eventually release the actual renders and the information in the coming weeks but uh we're going to kind of keep it secret just now and just give you a little bits of teasers and uh, build up some hype because it's it's going to be a big boy You heard it here, folks.
1: Alex's last question. uh, When does BattleBots usually confirm whether or not a bot has been accepted to compete in an upcoming season?
4: Well, uh, that depends. Um, A lot of that kind of stuff is is hard to necessarily say uh, just in terms of NDA and so forth. But generally speaking, in the past, um, we've, we've had as little as like one and a half months to three months to... I think I think three months is about the longest we've had on a on a guaranteed hey, you're in get building kind of scenario. Uh, a lot of times, most mm. teams have to start building ahead of time and hope they get in. And sometimes having a functional robot and showing it is is actually really important to get in because it's especially if you're a newer builder or someone that's maybe not been in the sphere as much. Um, you know, it's a risk to to accept a robot that isn't built. So um, we're very fortunate that we've had Deep Six. We've had you know, long history of other robots we've worked on in the past to kind of prove ourselves. So hopefully uh, Triton will be a, a member uh, for BattleBots if if and when it happens. But um, we're pretty confident that I think the people like it and that uh, it's going to do well. So we're going full bore and building it. But um, like I said, sometimes you don't have a lot of time.
1: A Triton related question from Logan Jones. It seems at the time of asking this question, the design of Triton has not been made public. How good would Triton be at golf?
4: Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I'm guessing it's going to have a mean slice to the side. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, deep Sakes would probably get a lot more distance, and Triton is really just going to mow the grass.
1: Yeah, I would say that Triton could probably uh, try out for several teams on uh, the NHL.
4: Fair, yeah, yeah. There's, there's definitely some slap shot potential there.
1: All right, I have another Triton related question from Will Hahn. How thin is the line between having a giant scary weapon and making Trey and the box crew scared and upset, and how do you plan to walk that line?
4: Oh boy, um <laughs> I feel like any robot can be scary, and any robot is potentially super dangerous, so realistically i I you know that's not necessarily a thought in our head um. Deep Six and Triton, neither are designed to explicitly destroy arenas. They're designed to destroy the other robot and they're designed to be the highest potential of weapon in the sport. And to that end, it does mean that the arena is at more risk than it generally would with another robot. But that doesn't mean that that's something that, you know, we, we want it, we want it to be accepted and, and for us a, allowed to be to fight. But at the same time, we want a big weapon and that's what we're going to going to try to deliver because a lot of times that's what fans want. They they want the extreme. They have, you know, their ideas of what a robot should be and we want to give at least some of the fans that want big weapon, big weapon.
1: Andrew Lynch is curious about the bot's name. Does the Rise of Triton, King of the Sea, have anything to do with the Departure of Kraken and do you fear her return?
4: Ooh. Well, I I won't say there's like zero connection between the King of the Sea kind of thought process um, because it is kind of in the nautical line of of Dustin's robots. Um, But uh, in terms of Kraken, you know, Kraken fought a lot of horizontals. And I feel like, while Triton might be one of the hardest that it would fight. um, They're going to be a lot more prepared if, if it ever comes back. So I feel like they would be at least they've had so much experience with the Horizontals in the last uh, season of BattleBots that that they would have something for us. I wouldn't
1: necessarily put it against the showrunners for for Kraken's, Um, uh, you know, their big return uh, to uh, pair them with the uh, the largest horizontal spinner in the sport. <laughs> so you never know. <laughs> <laughs>
4: You never know. It's you uh the, know. yeah.
1: It's a it's a high seas uh, warfare. Ah, indeed. I, yar. Uh all right. Some very good, thought provoking questions from Battlebot super fan Mary Catherine Carr. Kronos had a very elaborate aesthetic, while Deep Six was more t shirt and jeans. You said it yourself. Which is aesthetic do you lean more towards? It sounded like the casual is better.
4: Mm, casual is more comfortable, but. In terms of like, you know, working in the robot, you don't necessarily have to be in costume. So I think I prefer having the statement of the Kronos jackets. Like Kronos is is pretty peak to me. It's not too crazy, but it's still like very, you know, in theme. I do like that approach. Um, and I think I prefer that over it. But um, Triton is going to kind of be probably an in-between of that. You know, it's not going to be as good, but it's going to be, it's going to be more than a t-shirt and jeans.
1: All right. Uh, Mary Catherine Carr really wants to hear your best Martin Mason impression.
4: I don't, okay. I, I got to think of something before I say it, huh? That's really, that's really, let's see here. Um,
1: Listen here, brother. You're going to have to try a ton to beat try ton. <laughs>
4: that's actually really good. Oh, I don't want to just copy you though. That was too good. No, you can take it. I I'm, I'm I don't know. I didn't sell it that well. Listen here, everyone. Triton is ready. It's coming up, and you better be ready for us because we're ready for you. <laughs> or, or you know, the other thing that I love, Macho Man Randy Savage, Spider Man. That's always been a big influence on me. So, Triton is ready. Oh,
1: that's a good one. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh my goodness. What are three things that we should know about the Brad Hanstead? And wh- what are the most random things
4: we should know about the rest of your team? Okay, so I will say I'm the biggest guy in combat robots, and I'm going to have the biggest weapon in combat robots. Um, that kind of sells Triton for me. Um, and uh, I guess for my team, I mean, we, we have a glitter expert we have a satellite expert, we've got a Tesla expert, we've got a you know a, a Red Bull fluke expert. Like we we've got we've got a diverse crew of just outstanding people with various backgrounds that are really gonna bring Triton to life. And I'm just super excited uh, to see what what happens.
1: We got a deep cut question here from Steven Eagert. Near the end of 2019 tag team match of Monsoon and Ragnarok versus Kronos and Madcatter, you oddly appeared standing next to your opponents instead of your own team. Can you recall what that was all about? Awesome match, by the way.
4: So that was a fun match um, in all sorts of regards. Uh, so the great Tommy Wong, who is known for um, Droopy, if you, if you don't know Droopy, fantastic robot. But Tommy Wong built Timeline or, you know, the Sands of Time. They call it a couple of different things. Um, but it was basically the very long pole robot. And it was just, you know, little brush motors on the end. It's like a little beetle, but it just had a big aluminum stick in the center. And the whole point of that was to kind of go out to the center, spin up, and, and just be an annoying spot to allow Kronos to spin up in time. And it worked really well um, in at least one of our fights. But the intention was I had to drive it because Tommy wasn't able to be there. So I drove that robot. It got wrecked pretty quick. And so then I ran over there and I was trying to, you know, uh, you know, get them to get confused, you know, get over there, trying to get in their faces, get to the drivers, you know, kind of yell some things at them. They were trying to pull me away. I was just trying to, you know, make it harder for them to focus. And also, we lost that fight, but I think we won. I think that judge's decision was terrible. Get out of here. Hypershock
1: related question from Matthew Smith. What does Will Bales smell like? I wouldn't say that's a hypershock-related question. That's a Will Bales-related question. Um,
4: Yeah, I would never sniff Will. Um, he's not my flavor. <laughs> what is your flavor? That's, that's, an harder, that's a harder question.
1: <laughs> uh, tell me about the people that you like to smell,
4: Brad. Uh I mean people from Harbor Freight probably. You know, you get that kind of Chinesium oil smell. That's that's always a, a good one for me. Uh Let I- me tell you, uh
1: so I went into Harbor Freight for the first time ever. Oh my. Like four weeks ago. What? Yes. And it was it was like it was like right before uh Lindsay and I's wedding. Um and We were just on our way through a a town that had a harbor. I was just like, listen, I heard they got things in there and that it's cheap and that uh, it smells like a weird chemical. Can I go in? (laughs) And she's just like, "Okay, yeah, no, no problem. Uh, She's like, I'll just hang out in here in the car and I'm going to listen to a podcast. And I'm like, oh, I get to go into a tool store by myself. This is wonderful. (laughs) And so uh, it was it was like the very first time, you know, a kid walks into a candy store with like twenty dollars in their hand. Uh, mostly because everything in there, um, you know, is like 40 cents. And so like I filled the cart up <laughs> like it was towering, this cart that I was pushing through the aisles. And uh, it was one of the greatest days of my whole life.
4: Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those stores where I, I'm like lately because we're working on trying. I'm, I'm going almost once a week. They always have different deals, different coupons you plan to buy something with a coupon and then you walk away with like five more items because it just has a lot of those little convenient things especially for robot building you know just sometimes you know you want a nicer tool um but harbor freights really increased their quality of some of their tools and there's certain things that just make total sense to get there we we recently got a 20 ton press and it's one of those indispensable tools you can't just go buy it at a home depot um, but that press is going to allow us to, you know, press our our, our wheel sprockets in and and be able to, you know, get bearings out, do different things, flatten things. It, they have tools that just are not like that are available there that are just not available anywhere else a- unless you order online. And so, Harbor Freight really is a fantastic candy store, that's for sure.
1: The following interview is brought to you by Harbor Freight. Harbor Freight. A uh, great place to go to get that tool that you need just that one time because it might only last that one time. And get the smells. And, and for the smells. Every time you do go into Harbor Freight, unfortunately, your lifespan does shrink by about nine days.
4: <laughs> well, hey, Triton's looking for more sponsors. If Harbor Freight wants to come on board, I would gladly show off all my Harbor Freight tools because I have quite a few. <laughs>
1: All right, Whiplash Captain Matt Vasquez wants to know: Is it time to build a revamped version of the old SNF Insect Arena with fancy hazards and all? I think insect competitions need some spicing up.
4: I would say absolutely yes. That was one of the greatest arenas I've ever seen for insect combat robots. It was stainless steel, so magnets didn't work. It had corner hazards that were all themed. Had like a tornado pit that spun robots around, popped them up earthquake zone had little hammery things had a fire pit had a basically a, a pit that was going to become a whole nother thing but they were all kind of in the corner so like unlike the battle box where you have all these hazards kind of in the center that sometimes complicate robots fighting each other like deep six getting stuck that's silly get, get hazards out of the center get keep them on the sides that's fine um it was a really fun arena for insect robots and i would love to rebuild that we need a newer nicer well-built arena for southern california going into the future and that's it's, you know. In the plans, but as of right now, uh, things are changing. Battlebots is is coming up, maybe, so we're, we're getting us trite and ready, and we'll have to deal with that in the future.
1: Malice team member David Small, who himself applied to season seven of the show with a brand new bot called Banshee, has a a bit of a gastro question here for you. What's your preferred method of cooking hot
4: dogs? Uh, Weenie oly. Wait, what? Uh, Weenie oly. Gazintay. Okay, so a weenie um, Now, David Small himself has tried this and has made this. And, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's fantastic that he's trying these concoctions. But a weenie is essentially a very basic hot dog and a very basic hot dog bun with a slice of Kraft American cheese and um, uh, like Chef Boyardee ravioli basically on top, strew on top of the hot dog.
1: I've, I've always been a fan of the hot dog bowl. Oh,
4: oh, yeah. It's like a Chili Billy's kind of thing or like a just a bunch of old ch- chopped up hot dogs in a big old bread bowl in, 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 in a bowl in a bread bowl. Yeah. What, what? You have a bread bowl that you just put slices of hot dogs into? Yeah. Is, is there is there like cheese? Is there sauce? Is there? No. Oh, sick.
1: The hot dogs just kind of float in there in a ketchup soup, a ketchup and mustard soup.
4: Oh, so oh, ketchup and mustard soup. That sounds no. Mm-mm. I'm not a mustard guy personally.
1: You know, I wasn't either. I used to have this thing about condiments that started with the letter M. So I hated mustard, and I hated mayonnaise. I still hate mayonnaise.
4: Oh. Oh yeah. Oh, no. Well, come on. I it's like basically mayonnaise. sandwich glue. Enjoy.
1: Enjoy your paste. It's
4: it's it adds moisture. It keeps bread from getting soggy. Mayo is a very crucial component and most aiolis are absolutely delicious and it's just really mayonnaise with fancy stuff in it so mayonnaise is very fundamental for me now mustard in a pastrami sandwich like a a good brown mustard you know or whatever like a fancier deli mustard i'll do it but most for the most part i'm not big on mustard
1: uh i'm so fortunate that i got to skip the mayonnaise years of my life and go straight to kewpie which is by far a superior product
4: Oh no, I have some of that in the fridge right now. Actually, yeah, that's—I mean, it's basically a slightly sweeter mayonnaise to me, but I love it.
1: And it starts with a uh, a K, so I can have it. There you go. Yeah, easy enough. I think the first tell was that honey mustard. I'm fine with. Oh, weird. Yeah, even even like brown deli mustard, I can have that. It's just—it was just, you know, like that the cheap generic yeah. bottle of mustard that just said mustard on it. I couldn't eat yeah, it.
4: No, I, I do not like that either.
1: Two good follow-up questions from Whiplash team member and BattleBots team mom, Debbie Vasquez. Which do you enjoy more, commentating and live streaming events or competing?
4: That's a really hard question. I feel like they're very different things. I feel like, you know, commentating and and helping run events is something that not a lot of people have it in them to do long-term. And it's very crucial and important. So I, I enjoy the aspect of feeling like I'm doing something to help the community. Um, and, you know, I really started doing it because the, the sport was kind of restarting in Southern California. So I felt that, oh, maybe if I were to build like a really good robot, it would, you know, be too good and then kind of dissuade new builders. And it just kind of ended up being that I just started running competitions all the time, such that I I didn't really get time to build. And then more recently, I've been building smaller robots again. I went to Colorado with a few small robots, including Don's bot, which is now with Don. Anyway. Anyway. It's really a different experience. I enjoy building robots. There's certain pressures on, on both sides of it. Ultimately, running a competition to me feels more of what I'm into and, and what is I enjoy. But I, I, I can't get away from building robots. I always want to build robots. It's just really hard to do both. So you know, if I don't know, it, that's a tough question.
1: Well, maybe this will be an easier question. Debbie goes on to ask, and I'm going to put a little stank on it. Who's your favorite Whiplash team member?
4: Debbie Vasquez. You heard it here, folks. We're breaking news. I uh, I have pictures of myself with like you know Jeff and or, or sorry Matt and Jason when they were still very young, you know like winning trophies, and I'm you know dwarfing them because I am you know just huge, and they're little kids. And I've known them for years, and they're fantastic. Matt's one of the best drivers in the sport. Jeff, I, I, you know, has helped me so much over the years. He's basically been a boss to me in, in, in certain jobs and so forth. And he's a great guy. Kids are great, but ultimately, my team, my BattleBots mom is Debbie Vasquez, and she is amazing. And she does a lot of things that are unseen. And she is definitely my favorite Vasquez, easily.
1: They're actually plural vasquez Mm. Yeah. Didn't know that one. We defined that on the podcast a couple of years ago. It's <laughs> uh it's just, you know, the vernacular. Jake Mercus wants to know have you gotten any royalties from Tasty Peach for getting their Meowchi plushie on TV?
4: So that was season two with with Bad Kitty. And um I had the little stuffed animal, it's a little little cat. I actually reached out to her. Uh, she's a creator that creates some cool little plushies, and um, she was okay with me bringing on the show. But uh, I, I don't obviously get any royalties. She wasn't like a sponsor or anything. I purchased that out of my own my own dollar, and uh, but yeah, it was a it was a cute little thing to bring in the cat theme. Uh, that's all that was. Jackpot,
1: Captain Jeff Waters wants to know what difficulties come with making a heavyweight in an apartment.
4: <laughs> well, Jeff's wanted to ask that because he's basically doing the same thing. Uh, we're here. In Vegas, uh, kind of working together. He'll, he'll be helping with Triton, I'm sure, and I'm sure I'll be helping with Jackpot as needed. Um, but we're kind of working together to get these heavyweights built in an apartment. Um, and, you know, I guess the biggest difficulty is, you know, like making sure you have 220 for welding. Uh, it's most likely not going to be welded here. It's going to have to go to a shop um, uh, that my buddies have. Um, you know, grinding and stuff, you got to do it outside. But where do you do it in an apartment complex? You know, there's, painting certain things certain aspects become difficult in an apartment uh <laughs> so you know it's one of those things where i i had built in shops before with with ted shimoda and and other builders and it, it's definitely got challenges that and like i said we're, we're just getting started on triton it's getting built right now so i'll probably have a better answer for that when we're done
1: copperhead captain luke quintal has a marvel related question what do you think about Thanos?
4: Um, you know, Thanos is a very interesting character. Um, he's a big boy. I'm a big boy. Um, I have a lot of respect for him. Um, you know, the, the purple really does it for me. And I think Thanos is a, a key figure um, in my combat robotics life. And um, that's all I can really say about Thanos. You don't want to elaborate? Absolutely not. <laughs> You're just going to leave that one out there? Oh yeah, um, okay. Is is does that anything to do with the glove? Um, yeah, that's that's part of it.
1: So in in that same vein, Michael Jackson is also a key part of your bots. Nope. All right. Well, I'm just gonna have to figure out what the difference between Thanos and Michael Jackson is, and then I'll be able to you know at least at least figure out what the heck you're talking about.
4: Sounds good. I want you to meditate on Thanos as much as you can, and uh, come to your own conclusions.
1: I'll try. I'll try my best. Follow up question from Sawblaze Captain Jameson: Go. I heard Thanos is your favorite character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Why is that?
4: <laughs> um, you know, it's really he—he's a you know just a very large character. He's—he's he's purple. It really does it for me. Um, and you know, he—he's just uh, you know. Just like Triton in Deep Six, he's got a big weapon, and that's that's all I'm gonna say about that.
1: Um Is it because he's a titanium eternal?
4: If you want to draw your own conclusions, absolutely.
1: Um Is it because he has bionic amplification?
4: I would say all of his characteristics are really what does it for me.
1: All of them together.
4: Yeah, definitely together.
1: Alright, I have a question here from Luke Quintal who has a, a second question. <laughs> Do hand molded composites have a place in combat robotics?
4: Absolutely, but I would hesitate to say that uh, at least that you know vacuum assisted composites is really where it's at, and um, I think it does. Uh, I think not a lot of people have used it correctly if they have tried it. Um, I'd love to bring back composite robots, especially to the heavyweight scene in, in BattleBots or, or otherwise Rebel Games. Um, but I think composites definitely have a place um we've been very successful with them in the past and in, in basically every weight class so it's just about applying it correctly most people think it's a completely different robot metal robots are very squared up they're very simple they can be welded um the way you build the structure the the form is completely different than what you would do with a composite instead of building a box you build a more a rounded object it's it's just a different kind of thing and when you're doing like one, two off robots instead of like a large production, the tooling or molding process is a lot different. So I i value composites. I want to keep pushing composites, but ultimately I know that a lot of builders are not ready for composites.
1: All right. Uh, I'm kicking this two question uh, series from Gigabyte Captain John Maladnik off of this very intriguing question How did you get the nickname Hodor?
4: Well, funny enough, I I mean, the only origin I have of that is John himself, but we were in China in uh for King of Bots the the first time around with a megabyte or gigabyte and um you know, when you're 6 7 and you're walking around kind of the you know, Shanghai or the suburbs of Shanghai, um you get noticed. Um, it's definitely a, a thing. So, you know, at the time, Game of Thrones is obviously big. Hodor is a large character. I have some resemblance to that, I suppose. So, you know, John definitely loves to emphasize that. And I don't mind it. I suppose
1: um, as he typed out that first question, there was a tongue in cheek moment because he went on to ask, tell us about your experience in China. We heard that the people would follow you and the rest of the team uh, around gawking at you like you were a movie star. I,
4: I think if you, you know, I don't know. It, it, we we definitely are big people, you know, like me and, and Richard Lohing. We, we're both very tall dudes. And seeing these two random American giant tall dudes just come into, like, a more suburban city of Shanghai, like, going to get food. It's definitely a, like, turn-your-head moment. And uh, we got a lot of heads turned. And definitely, there would be pictures, but it wouldn't be like they would ask us for a picture. It'd be more like they would turn around and do a selfie, but, like, obviously have the camera at kind of an odd angle to get us in the background. So... (laughs) Um, we had a picture taken a lot, probably a lot that I didn't even realize. Um, but I'm also kind of used to standing out, so it wasn't that bad for me. And um, everyone was super nice there, obviously, and I had a great time. And that, that's some experiences that I'll never forgive or forget. And uh, you know, I got to thank John for for taking me on that first time, and then I got to follow up with Chronos Kron- in China. And those are some of the best experiences and some of the craziest stories I've ever had in Combat Robots. And I'm I'm really glad I got to experience it.
1: Thanks so much for talking with us today, Brad. Um, you're really leaving me uh, on the hook without some clear Thanos answers, but we're really looking forward to seeing Triton in the battle box soon. We're, I'm, I'm, I'm totally jazzed to see this thing in action. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, the fans uh, out there, they love you so much. That's why we had so many questions to get through in uh, from Discord, from Facebook. And uh, we really appreciate your time.
4: Oh no, thank you so much. And if you, as long as you don't mind, Triton is, is a, you know, we're really pushing Triton to be one of the biggest hitting robots out there. Um, Our social media is going to be updated pretty soon with some teasers. We're going to be releasing the render in the coming weeks. And uh, we're still looking for a few sponsors out there. If uh, someone's looking to aid in a big combat robot for BattleBots, and uh, that's what we're looking to do. So You also
1: mentioned that you're gonna have some t shirts coming out too, right?
4: Yeah, absolutely. We're we're planning to have kind of a mystery t shirt where it'll be at a reduced cost, limited time. There'll even be some premium shirts that are gonna be pretty cool that we're gonna do. Um so we have a lot of cool merch plans and um it'll be for a limited time. So make sure you kind of keep watch of the Deep Six and Triton uh Facebook pages and, and Instagram, Twitter, etc. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brad. Absolutely, thank you for having me, and uh, you know. I'm excited to come to Norwalk, and uh, uh, will you be there? I will. I'll be at the desk. Awesome. I can't wait to uh, see everything in person and uh, really experience Norwalk. That's going to be really exciting for me.
1: After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World.
2: Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to Hong Kong, where a startup called Rice Robotics is hoping to deliver your next coffee. Rice makes a friendly-looking robot that's designed to navigate an office complex and even rides the elevators to deliver coffee and snacks on demand. When it arrives at your desk, you use your phone to open it up and get your drink. It's the latest in a growing trend of robots that use computer vision, self-driving software, and slow speeds to navigate indoor spaces where the consequences for making a self-driving mistake are much lower. Uh,
1: I don't know. It's carrying hot coffee.
2: Yeah. Through (laughs) complicated hallway systems, up and down stairs through desks.
1: Can you just like imagine it's Monday? uh, You're tired. It's like you just, you had a barbecue the day before and you're just kind of sauntering in and, uh, A robot rounds the corner going 15 miles an hour and just dumps a blisteringly (laughs) hot coffee into your groin.
2: Yeah, but it's smiling back at you. Hmm.
3: This makes me think of, like, the McDonald's lawsuit about coffee from when we were kids back in, like, the 80s or whatever.
2: Yeah.
3: You know, like, where everybody was like, oh, it's so frivolous, but then you, like, see the actual pictures of the coffee burns, and you're like, oh, no, that lady should have sued them for everything. Oh, my gosh. You're looking
4: Uh at
1: Pictures of coffee burns, Kyle?
3: <laughs> yeah, you guys have never looked into that case. It's crazy. Um, that woman had like third degree burns on her legs because of McDonald's coffee. And this robot, this robot could be a whole nother slew of these kind of uh, lawsuits happening. I'm just saying.
1: The, f- the following segment is brought to you by Wendy's. Wendy's, <laughs> we've never burned anyone very badly. <laughs> Except on Twitter.
3: Ooh, true, true.
1: well that's about it for us today we want to thank nicole for doing such a great job editing this week's episode thank you so much and we'll be back in your feed next week with another mystery guest we'll see you then folks bye bye
2: bye
1: bye there
3: once was a bot who's
2: from the sea the name of the bot was the crack Two weeks from shore, when out did come her metal jaw, the captain called all hands and swore he'd take that spinner in tow. <gasps> Soon may the spinner man come to knock her teeth right from her gums. One day when the fighting is done, she'll take her teeth. Back.